Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different. Different. This is NOCO FM. Welcome to Connecting a Better World, where we spend time meeting some of the most incredible human beings who make this world a better place. We will learn how each individual took their ideas, mission, and purpose to create and serve others in business and organizations that surround social good, social entrepreneurship, and social impact, and find out how we, together, can further connect others to help. I am your host, Dr. Natalie Phillips. Today, I will be talking with Alex Kinigsberg, president and founder of Arula, providing consulting services for nonprofit organizations. Alex truly believes in changing the model of nonprofit consulting by offering dedicated consulting services from the identification stage to implementation, all while sharing in the financial risk with the client. I first met Alex as he is currently working with the nonprofit organization that I'm a board member with, Her Legacy of Fort Collins, started by Patty Smith. Alex is currently helping us by writing grants as well as provides great resources to continually educate the board. We met working together on a nonprofit, or we're still working together on a nonprofit organization here in town called Her Legacy of Fort Collins. But Alex, I want this to be about you, and I want you to share, first of all, about your story and maybe share with my listeners, like, what's your background? How did you get involved in what you do with Arula? So I'm actually uh, originally from the East Coast. I come from Connecticut, which is the best pizza in the world, and I will argue with anyone from Chicago or New York about that. But um, yeah, back there, I did a couple of jobs which really influenced my life, um, one of which was working for the Metro Hartford Alliance. I was an event coordinator for them. And in my program, we did about 70 events a year. So that was my first kind of taste of nonprofit life. And it was a little bit tiring doing that many events a year, but um, it was really good practice. It was a great experience and helped me build my network and really kind of start branching out from there. And then... From the Metro Hartford Alliance, I actually got a job with a small nonprofit in Connecticut called the Creative Living Community. And that's really where like, my life kind of pivoted and made a big change. Because up to that point, I always thought I'd be like, in the business world strictly. I never really thought I'd be in the nonprofit world. But um, being the executive director of this organization, one of the things that happened was I was still relatively new to my, uh, my role there and had never really written a grant before. And I basically started researching grant writers all across America. I interviewed a bunch, and one of the things I learned is that they all have a very similar fee structure in which they say, all right, I'm going to write you a grant, you're going to pay me for the grant, and then good luck, basically. And being from the nonprofit side, I never really thought that was fair. I never really thought that was an equitable system. So years ago, I mean, we took that away for later on, but uh, what I decided to do from there is to basically move to Colorado kind of on a whim. I had a friend of mine who's a plant scientist out here. His name's Dave, and he invited me out. So... I thought, yeah, I'll give Fort Collins a try. So I came out sight unseen. Uh, I was about ready for a good life change. And when I came out, I started looking at jobs. But then I started talking to another friend of mine. And she and I decided that uh, I should really take the risk right now and try to open my own consulting company and do it all off the premise that basically a grant writer and a nonprofit consultant shouldn't be guaranteed income. I shouldn't be guaranteed to walk away with my full paycheck while the community nonprofit takes on the risk. So what I do now with my fee structure is basically when I work with a nonprofit, I say, all right, I'm going to take a small percentage of my fee up on the front side. 
and the majority of my fee will be contingent upon the successful award of the grant. So that way, when it all comes down to it, I share in the risk with the nonprofit. I'm not walking away with a full paycheck. We're both in this together and they can be guaranteed that I'm putting out my best work because I got skin in the game and they can be guaranteed that they're not the only one taking on a risk. Wow, that's incredible. So I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, you definitely have this serving heart. So I get why you would do this. But at the same time, from the business standpoint, it also seems like, I mean, are there times where you just didn't get paid because you didn't get the grant? I mean, and, and how, was that few and far between? Or is it more about the connection to that particular nonprofit that really is what's carrying you overall? Well, I mean, the good news is I haven't starved to death yet. So at least it's working somewhat. I don't know. It's been kind of a weird uh, journey because, again, it's one of those things where you start off in this one path in life and you think, this is the way I want to go. This is the method I want to take. And then life just happens and changes the way you go. So I can't really give you a full assessment of whether this fee structure works or not because what I've done is I've started taking on other clients as well in the for-profit industries. And those have really helped to kind of bankroll my income as a whole. So if I were to be doing just nonprofits with the number of clients I have, I probably wouldn't be able to make it, but also I would have taken on more clients. So it's hard to really say whether the structure itself works. The reason I really did it was exactly as you put it. I mean, I just, these are nonprofits I believe in. I only work with groups that I personally, you know, have a emotional stake in the game as well. And they're ones that I want to see succeed. So that really, as a nonprofit consultant, that's what you need to have, like, to keep you going to really to help you put out, put out your best work. Yeah, absolutely. At what point in the nonprofit journey then, like let's say, you know, people that are listening to this have started their nonprofit, you know, at what point is the best time to reach out to somebody like you? One of the advantages of my fee structure is I do work with a lot of smaller nonprofits and the ones who are just getting off the ground. A good example of that would be Patty Smith with Living Her Legacy, which we're both uh, mutual acquaintances and friends of. Yeah, so that'd be a good example of a small nonprofit's getting off the ground because they don't have to invest completely and fully in a, a consultant salary. They could say, all right, I'm investing in you, but only at a smaller percentage, and I only have to give you the full fee after we're both successful in this. So I've found that to be my, kind of my niche in life and kind of who I work with. As far as when in the timeline that goes, I would say that you should open up the conversation pretty much as soon as you're filling out that... Uh, 51C3 application, the 1023, and trying to get your, your nonprofit off the ground because the more planning you can have ahead of time and you know, consultation is always free. The initial consultations and phone calls, that's no big deal. We'll do that for free. Let's make sure that you're on the right path. And later on down the line, we'll make sure that we have all our ducks in a row and we're doing things the proper way. And what kinds of services do you provide? So I know that you had talked about grant writing, but what are some of the other services that you provide to help out a nonprofit? It really has come down to anything and everything. So um, one of those things like I was talking about before, where you start off saying, all right, I'm going to be a grant writer. And before I know it, I mean, I'm doing different kinds of development work. I've been filling out the uh, paycheck protection applications through the SBA lately and the um, emergency and uh, disaster loan forms for all my clients, uh, both nonprofit and for-profit. Uh, good news there is out of the uh, four PPP applications I did, three of them have already been successfully awarded. So we were able to give my clients a few hundred thousand dollars cumulative through all that in the past month, which has been really great news. But then, I mean, just some general consultation. Obviously, I have a lot of uh, experience doing event coordination. So I put a lot of advice and uh, different kinds of points out there for that. I've worked doing business development as well for some of my for-profit clients, helping to bring in equity investment, helping to... Uh, help out in a bankruptcy situation to try to find some loans and investors to get a business back on track. So a little bit of everything is what I do, really. And what kind of
kind of background do you have though, as far as, cause you know, filling out, writing grants is different from filling out paperwork to submit for the, you know, the payment protection, right. And, mm-hmm. and, and things like that. So what kind of background do you have that you're able to do all of this? So I have a uh, degree in business, which has kind of come back around to be helpful because for a while I thought, all right, this is a great degree. You know, I'm going to start off my business career. And then I went right into the nonprofit world and instantly regretted not going for a nonprofit management certificate or degree. So that's really my background as far as uh, the academic side of things. But it's just been, like I said before, the uh, Chamber of Commerce. And also I did uh, some work for a proposal development company as well that was doing land remediation. So there's been a lot of just kind of different aspects of paperwork in my life that prepared me for these different things. But really the key is that you just really have to look at a funder, whether it's a grant or the SBA or whoever it might be. You have to look at the requirements, just make sure you're really, really meticulous, detail oriented and that you fill out every single aspect of it and you hit all the points that you need to hit. I mean, there's no real art or education that can prepare you. It's just really getting in there and making sure you do things correctly and then just kind of learning from your experiences. One of the things that I really like that you did too with Patty's nonprofit is the board education piece. And I liked it so much that I wanted to try to talk to another board that I was sitting on as far as just kind of educating the board because a lot of people who may have been asked to be on a board or serve on a board, they they do it because number one, well, at least for me anyway, it was something that drew my heart in, right? And so I decided to be part of the board. I didn't know what that meant, but it was because I believed in the cause or I believed in the nonprofit. And you did a really good piece on board education and basically kind of talked about not really what our roles are as far as, okay, if you're the president, you do this. If you're the vice president, you do that. But it was more talking about how we can represent ourselves as part of the organization or the nonprofit organization, I should say. And it was a really, really good kind of workshop that you did for us. So explain it for people who are listening that have nonprofit organizations, maybe some of the things that you covered in that particular session. If you want to look at like the roles of like the different members of the board, I mean, you can go online and find that. Absolutely. The big key is that I think Every single person needs to be ready to be either an advocate, and they have articles that explain the three A's, and which I kind of base my theories off of, but really you need to be either an advocate of the um, organization itself, or you need to be there to actually put in the support behind it to make those advocates be successful. So when you go on a board, you're really combining your personal life, your uh, personal goals, and a little bit of professionalism together. And to do that successfully, you have to be able to go out there and you have to be able to put your own self in line. You have to be able to go out and speak with people all throughout the community, try to find different resources that can help the nonprofit. And there's ways that you can organize this to be really, really successful. So that way, everybody's on board. Everybody's got the same game plan. We're not repeating any kind of ask. We're all kind of going in a a cohesive kind of manner to help the organization out. So what I suggest, kind of from a general framework perspective, is that you have one leader, one person who's going to kind of organize this whole entire endeavor. And then you have two to three people, depending on like, say like a a seven person board, two to three people that are actually out there doing the ask. They're the ones that go out and say, Hey, you know, I heard you have an interest in this. We have this connection. We have this introduction, whatever it might be. And introductions go a long way. I mean, it's a lot easier to do an actual introduced conversation than a cold call, but you go out there and you say, Hey, like we know you're interested would you be able to support this? And then meanwhile, the person who's the administrative side, they've provided you with a detailed profile on the person. They've provided you with detailed um, marketing materials, all these things that you can actually present to the person. So that way you have a professional ask that you can really kind of uh, 
bring forth all these materials and all this knowledge and really be prepared for the ask itself. So really it's just putting all these like different aspects together and creating a environment in which you're going to be successful because the more preparation you can do, the more success you're going to say. And I like it that you said it was, it's kind of a team effort because I look at it as kind of like your elevator speech, right? But as a team effort, you know, some people might be okay with the ask of, of, you know, the financial donation or whatever it is, or the funding. Some people might not be, they don't want to be out in the front. Some people want to prepare the materials, like you said, and, you know, making sure that you have this cohesive team pulling on the strengths of everybody that is on the board makes it be, and, and that was such a good point, makes it to be where you're not repeating yourselves because the worst case scenario is you want, you don't want to reach out to an investor or a funder. And then the next week, somebody else of the same organization reaches out at, at the same time. So having just that definitive understanding, I think of different roles that people have on the board, but being able to speak about the cause itself is where you really helped us put our frame of mind into. And I thought that was super helpful. So I think that, you know, if you're also considering consulting services with Alex and with Arula, it be, it's really, it's really good to maybe have that education piece of your board when you first start off. Cause I thought it was very, very helpful. Um, so let's go back to Arula real quick and tell me what, where did that term come from? What does that mean? And what's the name Arula? So the uh, friend I mentioned earlier on that convinced me to go for the uh, consulting work rather than the traditional job, she actually used to be a animal rehabber down in Texas. Her name's Jacqueline. And she was working with a tiger down there. And the tiger's name was Arula. So she said she always wanted to see a business of that name. And me and her both working together that day, uh, we adopted it. So I, I thought it was a cool sounding name. I liked it and I went with it. <laughs> I like that too, because a tiger can mean, you know, very ferocious and, you know, something that you want to represent your company too. So that's really cool. Okay. Got metaphors now. I like this. Yeah, no, I totally like it. Okay. So tell me a little bit more about some of your nonprofit organizations that you're involved with, or maybe that you are currently working with. And how do you find them? How do you decide that, that, yes, this is the one that I'm going to work with. I know that you said you do have to have this connection, but either how do they find you or how do you find them? How does it work? So this is my favorite part is talk about my nonprofits. Cause like I said, I only work with the coolest nonprofits. I do the best things. So I'll start with Patty. She has an organization called living her legacy. And what she's doing is building a, a basically an ex exhibition of different uh, portraits of women who've had an effect on Fort Collins, both in history and present day. So it's going to be on Cooper Smith's Brewery in downtown Fort Collins. You're going to see 48 portraits of all these important women who've done amazing things in the city. With her, I also work with um, Child Save Colorado. They are working to help children who have been abused, um, predominantly sexual abuse, and to give them the therapy that they need to really be able to get back on track and to really be successful in their lives after that. I also work with Ideal Wild. They're a, a small nonprofit that what they do is rather than sending grants directly to different conservation projects across the world, they send equipment directly to these people that are doing these projects. And a lot of times these grants go to like, you know, college kids who are off doing like their doctorate degree. Well, this organization actually sends it to people who are residents of the community. So that way they know the equipment and the project itself will continue on in perpetuity after the, the grant's been completed. And then um, two businesses I work with, one is Corum Prosthetics. They have a new uh, socket design for someone who has a uh, prosthetic, which allows them to adjust the socket using BOA dials. So they can keep it form-fitting all day or take it off and put it on in 20 seconds. And then also Dobar Donuts, who were on Shark Tank a couple years ago. 
and they have a protein-filled donut that they're able to mail to anyone in the entire country now. And it's uh, kind of, a, you can use it in lieu of a uh, protein bar and it's way, way more tasty. <laughs> What? That is incredible. Okay. So there's such a different, I mean, there's such a plethora of where your interests are. And so were you always like this? Like, does this make you happy? I know that for me, you know, being an audiologist is one thing, right? But then I like having my, my feet dipped in different, in different areas. And so that's incredible. I mean, you've gone from, you know, children, sexual abuse, you've gone to women and, and empowering women, you know, basically. And then you've got the animal part of it too, as well. Then you've got prosthetics, which is medical. And then you've got this crazy protein donut, which I'm going to have to look into. It goes back to my question. So how did you find them or how did they find you? And, you know, cause it's such a plethora of so many different areas do you have really like this interest from every piece that you have that you're involved with? Yeah, I think you and I come from the same cloth, Natalie. I mean, I, I really enjoy the fact that like no single day is going to be like yesterday. I mean, every single day is different. I like the fact that all these different businesses have something completely like uh, unique to offer to the community that I can be a part of. So it really helps me express my creative side, which I mean... I know a lot of people can do that in their one singular job. I really like the idea that I take my computer and I go from one project to the next without really like any kind of hiccup or interruption. It's always just something completely different day after day. So that's what really drives me to keep everything so varied. And also, I mean, we're all human beings. We all have very different things we're interested in. So why not try to express that in both your personal and professional life? And I've been lucky enough to make that successful. So that way I can keep going about having like this really, really interesting plethora of different, uh, you know, tasks, ideas, and everything around me. So I've been lucky in that regard. The American Red Cross urgently needs blood and platelet donations and asks all healthy donors to schedule an appointment to give now. With the coronavirus outbreak, it is important to maintain a sufficient blood supply. Your blood donation is critical and can help save lives. Please schedule an appointment today. Download the Blood Donor app, visit redcrossblood.org, or call 1-800-RED-CROSS today. You can make a difference. It's really cool though, because you do get to stay creative and, you know, thinking differently about how are you going to represent this particular business or this organization, because it's different. It's almost like you have to take that hat off and put another one on and then walk into that voice or into that mission statement or whatever it is of each of these businesses and organizations. So it seems like it's a lot of fun, actually. It's been absolutely awesome. Yeah. And I've been lucky to meet them. I, I have some people in my life, like um, a friend of mine, Nathan Scott, who's just one of those people that knows everybody in town. And he's been one of those people that just has brought so much of these different connections to me. So, I mean, one of my biggest keys I'd say to anybody out there is I know it's tough in the times of coronavirus, but you got to get out there and you got to network. The more that you go out there and you talk to the community and the more you approach it from not like a, I need business, I need work kind of perspective, but like, Hey, I want to know you because I'm interested in the community that's how you're successful in your professional life. And that's how you can be successful, I think, in your personal life too, and really 
gain a lot of meaning and value from life. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. It's that connection. It's it's the pull. It has nothing to do with making that sale or making that buy or that purchase, but it's definitely you've got to make the connection first. So I love that. Do you get attached to some of these organizations? You know, because with having that again, heart to serve and wanting to help out so many organizations, how are you able to first of all, say, okay, I'm done. Like my grant writing, whatever they needed me for, I'm done and I'm okay, like moving on. Do you struggle with that or do you stay involved as much as you can? So there's been other organizations I've worked with uh, briefly or still kind of do work with on a more kind of per project basis. Uh, The way I look at it though is I'm never done with the organization. I mean, if any one of them were to call me again, I'd be more than happy to hop on the phone to, you know, get on a Zoom video conference these days to try to do anything I can to help them. And I think one of the things you got to look at when you go about, especially consulting and especially in the, the methodology that I've used for doing it is that your personal and professional life aren't going to be separate. You're not going to have that work-life balance that some people strive for. I mean, my cell phone is the same list of contacts that are my friends, that are my family, that are my work associates. And any one of them could call me at any given time. So it's kind of just like, choosing that that way of life and really moving forward with that, that you have to make that conscious decision. And for me, it's great. For others, it might not work. But really, I just, any single one of them, I'm not really done with them. I really like the idea that they, we're going to continue this relationship. We're going to continue a friendship, even if there are nonprofits going on without me and they hire a different grant writer. They're still my friends in the end. We're still going to, you know, I'm still going to help them out wherever I can. Yeah, I really love that too. I like how you framed it of, you take your phone and you look at it and your contacts are the same, whether they're your friends or people that you've worked with or worked for as well. Because I think that it really, that really speaks to who you are as a person to be able to do that. And like you said, I mean, you were kind enough to say, Hey, that works for me. That might not work for others. And I totally get that too, but it makes a lot of sense and it makes a lot of sense of why you're doing what you're doing as well. So I absolutely love that, how you frame that. What's one of your favorite projects or any stories that you can share with my listeners that you might have experienced working with either nonprofits or even the businesses that you've worked with and also fulfilling like this need to give back? Like, are there any fun stories, any, any different types of maybe projects that you've worked on that just keeps you going and doing what you're doing? Tons I could choose from. Um, but I'll go with one of the more recent ones. So Idea Wild, the uh, nonprofit that's giving equipment grants for conservation across the world, the executive director of that organization, uh, Wally, he's uh, got a great sense of humor. He's a really, really interesting and really great guy, a friend of mine, a personal friend too. And one of the things that he lets me do is he lets me get a little creative and a little bit funny with the grants that we do. So because the people that he's asking grants from, I mean, these are people that he's made the personal connection with too, because he's one of the best networkers out there when it comes to talking to these grantors and funders. So one of the grants we did recently was called the uh, Dennis Loves Lizards Foundation. <laughs> Because Dennis doesn't actually have a foundation, so we made one up for him. We called it Dennis Loves Lizards. And we put this whole grant together, and we basically just talked about his love for lizards. And this guy's like a wild guy, so we're putting like kind of some like you know personal stories and stuff in there with it as well. And we were able to really make it kind of this creative, expressive thing that, A, was fun to write. We had a lot of good laughs doing it. But also, B, will probably, I mean, be well-received by Dennis as well. So I'd imagine like it's kind of a one-two punch of just understanding that like you don't have to be completely professional. You can have a little bit of fun with it but still have great results. So that one's kind of a fun one. But I mean, like just this whole past month too, like trying to, it's been absolutely nuts trying to get the different funding sources in, but it's been really rewarding as well because now all of a sudden I'm in the month of April alone, we've brought in 
um, almost $500,000 for my nonprofits, which has been absolutely amazing. And, and for profits, I should add to both all my clients. Wow. Which is so crazy because I feel like in this time in the past month, people have just been at a standstill, you know, and, and you see these things on the news and you see all of these loans that are available and these stimulus packages. And I keep asking the question, where is this money coming from? But where, you know, but where I don't get it, you know, things like that. And so for you to be able to still work and still be successful in getting the funding in um, is incredible. So that's great. That's a great uh, job uh, and uh, uh, that you did. So congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate that. And it's been absolutely uh, the most rewarding thing because I'm seeing these, these nonprofits and the companies that they're going to be able to keep continuing operations, keeping people employed. And I know that I played a part in that. So, I mean, that that's kind of amplified the effects. Yeah, that's huge. For also, you know, my listeners that, that are tuning in here and they might want to help spread what you're doing and, and just kind of help you push the needle forward or what would be your needs to either get you connected to newer projects or what are some of the things that are out there right now that you would need to kind of continue doing what you're doing? I'm not really actively searching for clients right now. I'm pretty uh, satisfied with my client load and who I'm working with. But with that said, I mentioned before, I'm not in this just for my professional reasons. I'm not in it for my bank account. So if you have an interesting project, if you have a cool nonprofit or just even want to say hello, I mean, I love to find out about the community here. I mean, I've been in Fort Collins for about a year and a half. I used to work in Connecticut for the Chamber of Commerce. I mean, I felt like I knew everybody there. So I'm building my network here. I'm trying to learn about what's going on in this community. So I'm more than happy to jump on a call um, in the future. Jump, I can come to a meeting with you. But I just love to hear what's going on in town. I love to give advice when I can and um, make a reference for someone who can give better advice than me if I can't give the right, the proper guidance. So Really, any project that you have that you just have a question on or just want me to know about because I might be able to make a connection, I'm more than happy to hear about that. That's awesome. Thank you. And, you know, a year and a half in Fort Collins is um, is great because I don't know if you've delved into, you and I saw each other at Fort Collins Startup Week, mm-hmm. which is incredible. Like, I'm just blown away with so much information that's shared for free among this ecosystem of entrepreneurs, nonprofits, funders, investors. I mean, there's so much there that I think that you're going to continue to enjoy it, you know, being here. Now, I've got a little bit of a senior to you that I've been here about 10 years now. But at the same time, I just think Fort Collins and just Northern Colorado in general is so helpful and they reach out to each other and they network and we do a really good job here. So that's really good to know that you're putting yourself out there, you know, saying, make that appointment with me, make that meeting with me. I'm willing to do that. I'm almost thinking that you should probably present or do something at Fort Collins Startup Week next year. I was uh, invited to this year and I didn't do it, but um, next year I might, I might very well. Yeah, you need that, yeah. to. Yeah, you're definitely a pro, a professional and a pro at what you're doing. So I think that whether whatever you focus on, I think it's definitely going to get people connected to you. And um, you've got a lot to teach as well. So I'll be excited to see you next year. <laughs> is there anything that before I ask you my last question, is there anything else that you want to share about what you do? And before we kind of close up with my last question, I guess I'll say one thing that I've said to pretty much every nonprofit I meet with at some point. And that's in regards to grant writing specifically, because I know there's a million different programs out there, a million different educational workshops that'll tell you how to grant write. They'll give you all the guidance. And those are great. I highly recommend you go to them. I highly recommend you learn as much as you can. But I think what I really need to stress is that 
this isn't some mythical thing that you should be worried about. This isn't something that if you are a small nonprofit and you can't afford a consultant, myself included, I mean, you shouldn't be worried about writing a grant because you think that it's out of your realm of possibility, out of your wheelhouse. Any one of us can write a grant. Any one of us can follow the directions. Maybe you won't know some of the tricks that some of those more experienced grant writers have learned over the years, but that doesn't really matter because A, you're going to learn from it and you're going to be able to be a better grant writer tomorrow after doing it today. And B, foundations, every single one I've talked to, when you talk to a real person, they're starting to become more and more accepting of the fact that not everyone can afford a grant writer, not everyone can write like these top line grants. So really the best, the worst that's going to happen is they're going to say no. So really it's worth the time. It's worth putting the grant out there. It's worth trying to move forward. I mean, constantly, constantly keep fundraising because that's the most important thing for nonprofits is to keep that money coming in because you can't do what you do unless you have that revenue coming in. So take the risks, just go out there and do it. And if you have any questions, I'm more than happy to jump on a call and try to answer them. That's awesome. That's great advice. So going off of advice now, speaking to other people who are listening to this, maybe thinking about doing something and they haven't done it yet. What would be one piece of advice that you can share with my listeners on just making the world a better place? I think that is hard advice to give because that's going to be so personalized for every single person. And I think a lot of people overlook the good you can do in your everyday life because we sit there and we think about it from this like philanthropic standpoint, like, you know, Bill Gates donates this much million dollars and that's doing good. And like, it is, it's a great thing, but I mean, it's not any more important from an aggregate kind of standpoint than a whole bunch of us doing that little random act of kindness every single day. So what I would say is find that thing that interests you, find that thing that really puts a smile on your face personally and pursue that and find a way to do good in that kind of arena, whether that's joining up with a nonprofit, like one of the ones I mentioned today, um, they're always looking for some help or if it's just going out there and cleaning up a park or just doing whatever it is that makes you happy and makes you feel fulfilled because if you want to keep sustaining that activity and keep doing that good across the world, it's got to be something that's of interest to you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Connecting a Better World. And thank you, NOCO FM, for supporting this show. If you haven't heard, NOCO FM is dedicated to bring diverse voices and spotlighting a unique culture to Fort Collins and beyond. For more information, please visit www.noco.fm. If you connected to something in this episode, we would love to hear from you. Our contact info will be listed in the show notes, as well as you can reach us on our social media channels. Please feel free to share our podcast with your friends and loved ones. For more shows, please tune in to noco.fm online. This has been a production of NOCO FM. 